Raise your hand if you have one. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For those of you that are visiting, my name is Rich. I'm the um, lead pastor at New Life. This is your first time here. I'd love to connect with you at the end of our service. Uh, We'll be downstairs in the lobby area. Uh, But we've been on a series looking at uh, life in the spirit, uh, the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. And today, I thought it'd be fitting to talk about, since we are in the Advent Christmas season to talk about the presence of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, presence spelled on the screen uh, that way. We've talked about the Holy Spirit being the shy member of the Trinity. We've talked about the Spirit being the one who leads us and guides us uh, into all truth, the wind of the Spirit. We've covered so many things, what it means to be bold witnesses of the Spirit. Uh, We've covered so many things, but today we're going to look at uh, gifts of the Spirit. And there's so much misunderstanding as it pertains to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So hopefully this will be a a deeply encouraging and clarifying time for us this morning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse number 4, hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. These things are, these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would release gifts in this room. Help us to recognize what you have already done in us, and may we walk out really your call for us today. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Uh, One of my favorite things, uh, memories that I had from childhood was going to my grandmother's house uh, to open up Christmas gifts every morning, every Christmas morning. And I grew up with over uh, 20 cousins, and most of us would gather at my grandmother's house. There were six uncles, six aunts, over 20 cousins. And when we would go to my grandmother's house, we would go with garbage bags in hand garbage bags in hand, because we needed that kind of container to hold the gifts that we were going to be receiving that day. One of my uncles would play the role of Santa Claus, and he would call out our names over and over again. We just didn't get one gift sometimes, got two, three big gifts, small gifts, all that. And what I loved about this annual family gathering was there always happened to be extra gifts that were purchased laying around the house, just in case a neighbor's kid would walk through the door. And if you walk through into that family gathering, if you walk through that, our home by my grandmother's house, you did not walk out empty-handed. If you walk through the door, you walked out with a gift. And as I thought about uh, our annual family tradition, I couldn't help but think about our passage today. Because the truth is, to be part of the family of Jesus means that there are many gifts to go around. 
And this is one of the more beautiful things about the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit doesn't just give us his presence, the Holy Spirit gives us presence. The Holy Spirit doesn't just give us his presence, the Holy Spirit gives us presence, gives us gifts. And we want to be the kind of church that longs for both, that we long for the presence of God, but we also long for presence that God gives. And this is the kind of church that God is calling us to be. This is what I want to unpack for us today. The Holy Spirit gives us presence and presence, and the presence he gives us are not for ourselves. The presents he gives us are to be used in the, for the blessing of other people. When God gives it to you, he doesn't give it to you for you. He gives it to you for the sake of someone else. The gifts are to be a blessing to others. And so right from the top, I just want to give you a definition of what spiritual gifts are. A spiritual gift is an expression of the Holy Spirit that empowers a follower of Christ to strengthen the body of Christ. An expression of the Holy Spirit that empowers a follower of Christ to strengthen the body of Christ. And God has called each and every one of us in this room to empower, to strengthen the body of Christ, our local church here. And this is what Paul is getting at in the book of 1 Corinthians. For those of you that might be unfamiliar with the Bible, familiar with uh, the book of Corinthians, the book of Corinthians is actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul is one of the early leaders of the church. And Paul writes to uh, this church in Corinth, which was uh, in, in ancient times, just you know, a city in ancient Greece. And Paul writes this particular letter because he's hearing a bunch of crazy stuff is going on in the church. The church is one of the more gifted churches in the New Testament. And yet, at the same time, this church is one of the more immature churches in the New Testament. Lots of gifts, very little maturity. And so some, people, some leaders came to Paul to tell him about some craziness that was taking place. And the stuff that was happening in this church, you would think this was like an HBO miniseries, the stuff that was happening inside this church. On one occasion, there was a man who was sleeping with his stepmother, okay, sleeping with his stepmother, and that caused a little bit of problems in the church. Sexual sin was rampant in the church. Within the church, people were taking sides with leaders. They had cliques emerging. Someone saying, I'm with Paul. Someone saying, no, I'm with Apollos. Someone saying, I'm with Peter. It's like we come in here and we say, you know what? I'm loyal to Kate, nobody else. I'm loyal to Peter Roden, nobody else. I'm loyal to Pastor Pete, nobody else. And cliques started forming within the church. And so in this church, there was not a lot of unity. In this church, there was so much conflict and an inability to resolve conflict, so much conflict that Paul is stunned. He's saying, how can you guys have so much conflict in your midst? In this church, people were getting drunk during communion time. During communion, people were getting drunk, taking the wine, the blood of Jesus, and getting twisted on the wine and blood of Jesus. What was interesting about communion in ancient times was communion was, wasn't just something we do here. We take a piece of bread, dip it in a cup. It was actually a meal that they shared together. And for the poor, the poor would take communion as a means of worship to God, but it also it filled their belly. What began to happen were rich people were, were jumping the line, skipping the line, taking all the bread, dipping in the cup, all the meals, so there was no food left for the poor. This is what was happening inside this church. There were marriage problems. There were singleness problems. And in today's chapter, there are problems and issues pertaining to spiritual gifts. And so, in short, this church, the, the biggest issue with this church was immaturity. And as I thought about the book of Corinthians and this church at Corinth, 
I thought that they are a picture of all of our lives and many of our churches. The Corinthians have many struggles, and all of us have struggles. The church in Corinth is the picture of all of us. We are a mixture of good and bad. We are a mixture of light and darkness. They were so gifted, and yet they were so immature. I like how a great Russian writer, uh, Alexander Soltanitsa, says it. He says it this way in one of his great quotes. He says, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart. All of us are a mixture. All of us are a mixture of light and darkness, good and bad. And in light of our mixture, we have one of the more beautiful passages and chapters on the grace of God. Now, Paul mentions that in this passage that God has generously given gifts to the church. And these gifts are for the purpose of building the church, strengthening the church. And there are many debates as to how many gifts are in the Bible, how many gifts, and there are many different good scholars that disagree on this. But what I want to do is I want to show you just what Paul lays out, three types of categories of gifts. And I'll just throw one more for free from Romans chapter 12 so that we get a broad perspective of the kind of gifts that the Holy Spirit just generously gives to the church. The first kind of category is what's called revelation gifts, revelation gifts. That words of wisdom. Have you ever uh, needed to give someone advice or, or you were in a situation, you didn't know what to do, and all of a sudden something came to you and you know that wasn't you. You know, I'm not smart enough to have that kind of idea. How did that happen? A word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, some bit of information about a person, about a situation that you know, I'm not, I'm not that educated. I don't know all that stuff there. Words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. These are revelation gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. Another kind of gift is oh, what they call power gifts, uh, gifts of faith that some people just have great faith to move mountains, gifts of healing that when you pray for someone, God does remarkable and, and powerful things through you in healing, working of miracles. These are power gifts, and the Holy Spirit throws out gifts to the church. And like Oprah, you know, you get a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift. Everybody gets a gift because of the Holy Spirit. Speaking gifts, gifts of prophecy, gifts of tongues, gifts of interpretation of tongues. The Holy Spirit uh, gives all that. And in Romans 12, just to give a sense of the scope of it, Paul writes additional gifts like prophesying and serving and teaching and encouraging and giving and leadership and mercy. Like the Holy Spirit has generously given gifts to the church. And these gifts of the Spirit, as, as he writes this, he wants the church to know a few things about the gifts. Paul has wisdom and instruction for this church at Corinth, and God has wisdom and instruction for us as we continue to journey out on the ministry and, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there are three really lessons I want to give out of this passage in Corinthians. And the first is this, and this might be the most important lesson of them all. And that is this, that about the gifts, that the gifts are given not based on our goodness, but on God's goodness. The gifts are given not based on our goodness, but on God's goodness. In verse 11, the passage we read, Paul says these words, all these gifts are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now note this, the Holy Spirit gives gifts as the Holy Spirit determines. And the determination of why the Spirit gives gifts is not based on the goodness of our lives. It's based on the goodness of the Spirit. 
Now listen, when you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, God, as it were, downloads in you particular gifts. And this happens immediately. You become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, gifts of the Spirit are given to you. And if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, there are many gifts inside of you. And listen, this is the beautiful thing about it. Maybe your, your, your mom and dad didn't think you were special. Maybe your grandparents uh, didn't treat you like you had anything to offer. Maybe friends, your relative, your ex-husband and ex-lover didn't think anything about you. Maybe your kids don't appreciate you. But this is what I want you to see. God sees you as a gift. And not only does God see you as a gift, God has given you gifts. And so this might not be your experience growing up, but in the new family of Jesus, when you become a follower of Jesus, God sees you as a gift. And not only does he see you as a gift, he has given you gifts to, to, to serve other people with. And the beautiful thing is, God doesn't wait until you've put in a number of years in the kingdom before you're given a gift. That's how the world works. In job settings, you work at a place for 30, 40, 50 years, and they say, thanks for your service, here's a watch. It's just like, I, I, mean, I, I mean, a watch, you know? I, I, you know? And, and if you put in X amount of years, then you get a gift. That's the way of the world system. But in the kingdom of God, once you say yes to Jesus, he gives you a gift. It's a beautiful picture of the grace of God. And so the reason why you get gifts is not because of your goodness. It's because of God's goodness. And I know this statement is true because of the crazy immaturity of this Corinthian church. If we adopted the world's thinking, you would think that chapter 1 through chapter 11 was all about how good the Corinthians were. Paul is writing, you guys are so holy. You guys are so uh, uh, righteous. You guys are so giving and so generous. Chapters 1 through 11, you guys know how to do marriage and sexuality. You guys know how to do this and that. And then by the time he gets to chapter 12, he says, based on how good you guys have been, the Holy Spirit has given you gifts. But that's not, chapters 1 through 11 is how crazy this church is. How nutty this church is. How, how, how neurotic this church is. And then chapter 12 comes. And then Paul has the nerve to say, God has given you gifts. This is not the way the world operates. The world operates in a different way. I'm calling it the world operates in the way of Santa. The world operates in the way of Santa. Now, I love Santa Claus, and, uh, uh, but listen to the song. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. First of all, it's just weird that he watches me all the time. But, but you better, if, and here's the, here's the message. If you're good, you're going to get a gift. If you're naughty, mm, not so much. If you're good, you'll get something. If you're bad, uh, maybe next year. And this is, it's the way of, and listen, I love Santa. For those of you that are going to write me emails at the end of the service here. You know, I love Santa, but let me just let me make the contrast here. This is the way of Santa. But the way of Santa is not the way of the Spirit. The way of Santa is not the way of the Spirit. The way that, that's not the Spirit. That's, that's, that's somebody else's name. <laughs> I'll, I'll share who that is in a moment. That definitely was not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit looked, you know, Latino to me here. It's like, The way of Santa is the way of merit. It's, it's a system 
of meritocracy. And that's how our, our country loves this system of meritocracy. This, the system of meritocracy basically says that if you work hard and you're good, you can achieve anything, you can get anything, you can receive anything. And we affirm that we got where we're at because of our skills, our dedication. It's a system of meritocracy. If you work hard enough, you can succeed. If you work hard enough, you can make it. If you work hard enough, you can get gifts. If you are good enough, good things will happen to you. But the way of meritocracy fundamentally opposes the cross of Jesus. Because the cross of Jesus says, even when you're not good, God is good. And God has been good to you. Let's look at your life for a moment. How many times has God blessed you when you were not looking for God? How many times has God blessed you when your life was diametrically opposed to the will of God? And God said, I'm still going to bless you anyway. This is not the system of meritocracy. This is a system of the grace of God. And so this is why this chapter is one of the more remarkable expressions of grace. Because the gifts of the Spirit are generously given despite our shortcomings. And so in light of this, there's really a, a sub-point that I need to make here. And it is this. That first of all, it, it's, we get gifts not based on our goodness, but God's goodness. And the sub-point is this here, that God gives gifts to all of his children, not just his mature children. It's really important. God gives gifts to all of his children, not just his mature children. And when we don't accept that truth here that we see in this passage, we fall into two extremes. The first extreme is we experience a gift and, or we see someone operating in a gift of the Spirit, and we naturally assume if that person is operating a gift, that person is mature. And that could be one of the biggest mistakes you ever make. Because just because someone's gifted doesn't mean they're mature. You fall into the opposite extreme. You see someone who might be immature operating the gifts of the Spirit, and you think that gift cannot be real. That, that cannot be legitimate. And so either way, whether you think that to be gifted means that you're mature or to be immature means that you're not gifted, both are an error. And Paul is trying to, to let that, that what we see in the church is just because someone is, is immature doesn't mean that the gift is not a reality. And so these are two tensions that we have to hold, which brings me to the image that you saw on the screen here. This is my Uncle Johnny, my Uncle Johnny. And my Uncle John is, has been one of the more important people in my spiritual form, in my disciples, especially in my early years of following Jesus. He's the one, he really took me under his wing for the first couple of years of my discipleship and, and really some great things in my life. But there are two things that I want you to know about him. One is that he loves Jesus, I mean, big time. And when he's on the right track, he loves God and he loves people. But when he gets off track, he doesn't seem to love God that much and he doesn't seem to love people that much. And so... When he's on the right track, boy, this guy is on fire for God. But when he's on the off track and the wrong track, uh, not so much. But one of the things that I realized is that God gave him gifts of the Spirit. And there were two gifts that he had in particular. Regardless of whether he was on fire or not, God gave him gifts. And the two gifts that he had were the gift of encouragement and a prophetic gift. And I'll show you how they, it expressed itself. He would, when he was on the right track following Christ, 
I look up. He lives right across the street from me. And I look up on the second floor, and I see his, one of the, 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 the windows that the light was on, 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock as I'm walking home or so. And the light is on. And I knew that when those light was on, he was doing something. What he was doing was he was, he was making cassette tapes. Remember what cassette tapes are? Cassettes? <laughs> Put them in a Walkman. Remember what a Walkman is? Okay, for those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, see me after the service. We'll just we'll talk about those relics, you know. Um, he would make these cassette tapes of worship songs. And he'd stay up praying. And he'd, and he'd, and he'd put a, like a master mix together of worship songs, you know. And the next day, he'd do it for people in the church. And he'd say, I've been praying for you last night. And I created this these list of songs for you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it encourages you. And he'd just give it out to people. I was praying for you. And these songs came to mind. And I made this cassette tape for you. And those things encouraged me. Those things, when I felt like, I, I, you know, I don't know if I want to follow Christ, I'd put that cassette thing in, in my Walkman. I'd press play. The table get all messed up sometimes. got to fix the thing there. Put it back in there. And, and, and wow, what, what an amazing gift of encouragement that the Holy Spirit gave him to serve the church. And the other gift that he had was like, it was a prophetic gift. He had an ability to see things and say things in particular ways that he spoke truth in really powerful ways, not always loving ways, but in very, very powerful ways. And I remember one day as I first was preaching, as I first began to preach, um, I've been preaching almost 18 years now or so. And when I first began to preach, I did not know the kind of preacher I was called. I didn't know my voice. And so one, uh, one, one Sunday or whenever I was preaching, I, I tried to preach like a, 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 a black Baptist preacher, you know. And so I, I'd have a towel in my hand. I wasn't going to sweat, but I just had towel just, you know, just in, you know, just in case. Although I don't sweat at all, but just I just looked right. Just, I just I saw the preacher on TV do it, so I, I just did that. And so, I want, so one sense, I'd be trying to be like the black preacher, and then the next week, I, I'd be like this, like this just Charles, white Charles Stanley, hold the Bible, monotone, God loves you, Jesus loves you, all this whole monotone thing. So one week, I was like black, the next day, I'm white. I'm Puerto Rican, man. I should be right, right in the middle. I should be right here in the middle, right here. And I recall one day as I'm preaching, I'm trying to figure out, I didn't know my voice, and I, had, I just didn't know who I was, and I'm trying to be this person, trying to be that person, and my uncle heard me preach in the church the night before, and, and he just sensed that something was off, and the next morning, he rings the bell. He rings the bell. He says, come down. I'm just like, oh, is this good Johnny? Is this bad Johnny? Hey, come down. <laughs> and he came, and he came down, I came down, and he said, I was praying for you last night, and God gave me a message for you. This is the message. Be yourself. Stop trying to be someone else. Be yourself. And he just walked off. You know, he just walked off. And I said, <laughs> and I, said I think that's good, Johnny. I, I, I think that's good, Johnny, you know. And I thought, here's the beautiful thing about it. When he was off track, the Holy Spirit didn't say, give me those gifts back. When he was on track, off that, the, he had the Holy Spirit living inside of him. And because the Holy Spirit lived inside, the gifts of God were inside of him. And this is great for all of us because, listen, you and I will stumble from time to time. And the grace of God is so powerful. The grace of God is so present. God doesn't say, give it back to me. God has given you a gift. And that gift is to be used for the glory of God 
and for the sake of other people. And so remember, God's gifts are not given on your goodness. God's gifts are given because of God's goodness. The second truth about what Paul's trying to get at is a, a lesson about the gifts of the Spirit is that the gifts of the Spirit are to be motivated by the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are to be motivated by the fruit of the Spirit. Let me say it this way. When you go to a grocery store, there are certain things that you buy that says on the label, for best results, refrigerate after opening, or for best results, do this after opening. Now, if you don't refrigerate it, it doesn't mean that you can't eat it. It just means you're not going to get the best results. And this applies to the gifts of the Spirit as well. If the gifts of the Spirit had a little label on them, it would say, for best results, the gifts work best when the fruit of the Spirit is present. For best results, if you want the best results of the gifts, they work best when the fruit of the Spirit is present. And I say this because uh, this is one of the more central problems that this church had in Corinth. They had lots of gifts. But the motivation that people had in using the gifts was self-centered. But the gifts of the Spirit are to be informed by love. Love for God, love for community. And Paul had to say this because evidently there were people in the church that were using their gifts to be seen by others. They were using their gifts to be celebrated, to be affirmed by other people, affirmed other people. And in short, the gifts became about them. And so Paul has to write these words. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given, what? For the common good. Is given for the common good. The Holy Spirit gives you a gift, not for you. The Holy Spirit gives you a gift for the common good. And he had to say this because instead of working for the common good, something else was happening. Most people in the church at Corinth were absorbed with a love for their own experience rather than a love for the common good. Now, God wants to give us experiences. God wants to give us fresh experiences, new experiences. But the reason why we long for gifts is not simply so I can have a, a great time with Jesus. The reason why he gives us gifts of the Spirit is for the common good. And so the gifts and manifestation of the Spirit is to flow from a motivation of love, love for God, love for people, not simply a love for experience. And so before we operate in gifts, we should be asking, Lord, would you cultivate fruit inside of me? This is why it makes sense now, doesn't it? Why Paul writes 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Right sandwiched between the gifts of the Spirit in chapter 12 and in chapter 14. Because when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he didn't write it as part of a wedding sermon. Love is patient. Love is kind. Now listen, I, I, I do weddings. I use 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. It does not envy. It does not boast. It doesn't keep a record of wrong. But when Paul wrote it, he didn't write it as like a sermon for a wedding. He wrote it as a rebuke to a church that had great gifts but little love. Great power but little fruit. Great workings of God, but they did not have the fruit of the Spirit. And so at New Life, as we continue to venture out, and many of us are in different places as it pertains to the gifts of the Spirit, the question we need to constantly ask ourselves is this, am I operating in this gift, leadership, encouragement, words of knowledge, whatever, am I doing it out of a place of genuine love for others? 
or am I doing it now for validation? Am I doing it for me or am I doing it for others? When I preach, I have to consistently ask myself that question. Am I preaching this message so that at the end I can get validated by you guys? Or am I doing it because God has given me a message for the common good, to serve you in this respect here? And so this is a, a question we all are to be asking each other, that the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit work best when the fruit of the Spirit is present. That's the second lesson. But here's the third, and I'll close with this. Paul writes, essentially in this chapter, that the gifts of the Spirit are meant to be unwrapped and used. Now, it sounds simple, yes. But the gifts of the Spirit are meant to be unwrapped and used. After Paul rebukes them because they, they have a lot of gifts but little love, he doesn't say, all right, stop using your gifts and try to figure out love. He doesn't say that. This is what he says. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Paul's saying, let's do both. It's not either or. Let's do both. Let's follow the way of love because that love is to inform the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts are to be used. Gifts are to be unwrapped and used. But could you imagine with me for a moment that you gave someone a gift and you took time to choose the gift? It wasn't like a last-minute thing like you were heading to a birthday party and said, oh, I forgot to get a gift. Oh, there's a CVS right there. Let me get a gift card. You know, that's, that's not the kind of thought that we're talking about. I'm talking about you thought about this gift. You took time to think about it. What, how, how does this gift work with this person's personality, their desires, their taste, all that? You took time to do it. You take time to purchase the gift. You take time to wrap the gift. And then you give it to that person. You say happy birthday, happy, whatever, happy anniversary, or what have you. And they don't open it right there because, you know, okay, they're not going to open it, but minutes go by, they don't open it. Hours go by, they don't open it. Days go by, they haven't opened it. Weeks go by, they still haven't opened it. It's just sitting right there on their kitchen table. Months go by, they haven't opened it. And you just scratch, you just, I wonder if they open. So you call them and say, listen, have you, by any chance, have you opened the gift that I gave you? And you say, oh, you know, I just have not had the time to get around to it. How grieved would you be if I spend all that time preparing a gift for you and you did not take the time to unwrap it and use it? I believe the Holy Spirit gets grieved when he, listen, the Spirit of God and the spirit of God's wisdom has given each one of you gifts. And the spirit of God gets grieved when, when the gifts have not been unwrapped and the gifts have not been used. And so today really is an invitation for us to say, Lord, how, what have you given me? And unwrapping it and using it. Listen, all of you in this room, God has gifted the Holy Spirit has given you gifts. And this is why, as I say from time to time in, you know, in this church here, that we are to resist being a mall and we are to resist being a stadium, that a mall is just a, a crowd of consumers. What, can I, what religious goodies can I get? And the, and the stadium is a crowd of spectators. We are called to exercise the gift that God has given us. And all of you in this room, the Holy Spirit has gifted in this room. And the question is, have we unwrapped them? Are we using them? Or are they still sitting as they were on our kitchen table? The church is healthiest 
when each person takes their place and uses their gifts, whether that gift is leadership, whether that gift is mercy, whether that gift is giving, whether that gift is uh, gifts of healing, whether that gift is words of whatever it is, the church is healthiest when we each play our role. And God has given all of us gifts when we each play our role for the common good. And this is why small groups is so important and serving is so important. Because on a Sunday morning like this, this is not the ideal time to operate in the gifts. This is not the right setting for it. The right, some gifts will come from time to time, but this is not the right setting. This is the time where we gather for worship together. We gather to pray for one another. We gather to hear teaching of scripture. We'll pray at the end of the service. But it's in smaller contexts, small group contexts, serving contexts, where the gifts of the spirit can come alive. Right now you're hearing me, hopefully not sleeping on, but you're hearing me. And this is that context for that. But when you gather in a group with maybe seven or eight people and 10 people, and all of a sudden there's enough time for collaboration and conversation and time to pray where you can say, you know, I sense God giving me a word here for you. I sense, I sense a particular kind of wisdom for your situation. I, I sense a, an a leadership and encouragement. Things can come out in those kind of contexts. And what all the more motivation do we need to connect in small groups with each other? To, to serve in particular ministries. Why? So that the gifts that God has given you would be unwrapped and used for the glory of God. Let me close with this here. Some of you, I know after the first service, people were asking me, Rich, how do I know what my gifts are? How do I know what my gifts are? And one of the things that I want you to pay attention to is really to two things. One is to uh, really inner desire and consolation. There's certain things that you just have a sense from God, that God has gifted you in those areas. And it takes prayer and silence and solitude to get to the core, Lord, how have you gifted me? And so we need silence and we also need community. We need people coming around us to say, to confirm what God has already deposited in you. I think about my own journey as a follower of Christ. I would, when I first became a Christian, um, the first six months of my uh, Christianity, uh, I had a deep sense that God is calling me to preach, that God has gifted me to teach and to make the Bible simple for people. I just had this sense. I was passionate about it, but I just didn't want to step out and do it. And so I, I, I would gather with small and small groups of, you know, 20 and 30 of these small churches that I would attend. And sometimes we'd be preachers. Sometimes I'd gather in small group context and have conversation and prayer time. But for the first six months of my discipleship, on six different occasions, there were prophetic words that were spoken over me that confirmed, yes, I'm on the right track. One man would say, young man, I, don't, I never met you before, but you were in the white shirt. And I'd say, oh, man, I got a white shirt on. And I'd stand up, and he'd say, I just have a sense that God has called, this is before I preached any sermon, I have a sense that God is calling you to preach the word of God. And something deeply like confirmed inside of me, yes, I, I, that bears witness to what I'm feeling inside of me. A couple of weeks ago by, I go with my group of 20 youth, and we go to another church, and there'd be debriefing time, and the man would say, young man with the blue, can I just talk to you? And I said, man, I got blue on today. They're just talking to you. And he said, I, I just have a sense that God has called you to preach and teach his word, that you would do so boldly. One guy, I saw him, and he said, at the end of a service, he said, can I call you? Because I have a sense that God gave me a word for you. And, and listen, all that stuff, and we'll talk about in future weeks how that stuff can be abusive and all that stuff here. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, 
He said, can I, can I call you? So I gave him my number. He called me. He, just, I, he said, you know what? As I saw you, I had a sense that you were before a crowd of people from all over the world preaching. And I'm thinking, no, nah, I'm from Brooklyn. I know black folk and I know Spanish folk. That's all I know here. And he said, I just saw you before. People from every nation and you're preaching before them. This is me at 19 years old. I'm thinking, what does this man know about anything? And then the six months, after the sixth, the sixth time he did it, uh, in a sad way, the, uh, the, the pastor, my pastor, caught a stroke. And he said, Rich, because I can't preach, I'm going to have to send you out to start preaching now for me. And these little churches of 20 and 30, and my sermons were terrible, just absolutely terrible. And my father came with, to me with every sermon. I do an altar call at every sermon. No one would come up to the front there except my father. My father would come up there. <laughs> The guy felt so bad for me. I, I come up again. Sorry, son. That was just, just pray for me, son. Like, dad, stop doing that. You know, just stop. Stop. I don't want to pray for you anymore. You know, just. But I had a sense that, wow, there was something that was confirmed inside of me. And so this week, I want you to be paying attention. Lord, how have you gifted me? This takes silence. It takes prayer. It takes communion with God. But it also takes you being a part of a community that can affirm and confirm what God has done inside of you. Jesus loves his church. Jesus wants to see his church flourish, his bride flourish. And one of the ways that we flourish is when we operate in the gifts that God has given us. And may God unlock and unleash in you a passion to operate in how God has uniquely called you and gifted you for the sake of the common good. Amen? I want to invite the worship team to come forward. I want to invite you to close your eyes for a moment. And I want to begin right now because I believe the Holy Spirit really is speaking to many of you in this room. Maybe for the first time or maybe just confirming something that he said to you a long time ago about gifts that he's given you. The question is, have you unwrapped that gift? Are you using that gift in service to others? Or is that gift still on that kitchen table unwrapped? Today is an opportunity for us to say yes to God, that we would be the people of God that he's calling us to be. So just take a moment right now. Just ask, Lord, how have you gifted me? That's maybe a question that some of you are asking. And just wait to see what God says. And for others, maybe it's a reminder of coming back to God. Say, Lord, I know what you've already said. Give me boldness now to step out, whether it's in serving in ministry in our church here, whether it's operating in one of these gifts. Lord, show me. But let's take a few moments and we'll close in worship together. Father, I believe that you have gifted everyone in this room who has said yes.
yes to Jesus with gifts of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would give us discernment this week, boldness, courage to step out, to operate in how you have gifted us. Lord, thank you for your generosity towards us. Lord, thank you that you give us gifts, not because we're good, but because you're good. Lord, I pray that in the days and the weeks to come, we would begin to see these gifts uh, operate in our lives, in our church, and small groups around the city. May we be the people of God that you're calling us to be in the power of your spirit. We sing to you now, Lord, words of worship, words of praise, words of gratitude. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, let's all stand and sing together. As we close our service, I want to invite our prayer team to come to my left. We have the Lord's table to my right. At New Life, we want to uh, do all we can to equip you really be who God has called you to be uh, in these gifts. There are two things that uh, in the months to come, we have uh, something called the Art of Hearing God, a course that we offer at New Life, and really a way of how do I hear God, especially in these areas here. We have our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, Emotionally Healthy Skills. And how do we operate? The church at Corinth, the problem was, it wasn't that they have gift, giftings, the problem was they were immature with them. And so how do we, when you combine the two of just maturity and power, I, what a what a combination. And we want to be that kind of church that we say yes to the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, how the Holy Spirit wants to change our lives and do it with a spirit, a great spirit of maturity in the process. But as we close here, we have our prayer team to my left. And for some of you today, maybe God has a word for you. Maybe God wants to say something very specific to you. And there's certain things that happen only in prayer that don't happen in other contexts. And so uh, maybe you just sense, God, I need to hear from you today. Uh, Maybe you just, uh, your need of encouragement. Maybe there's some sickness in your body. But whatever it is, my prayer is that you would come down. And as our prayer team is here, that you would receive what God has for you today. So whatever needs you have, and maybe you're not even a Christian today. Maybe a friend invited you, you've never said yes to Jesus. But this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, I have so many gifts waiting for you. Gifts of forgiveness, gifts of of the spirit, gifts of grace. And for some of you, you know today is your day to say yes to Jesus. And when you say yes, he doesn't say, all right, 20 years and I'll give you some gifts. No, you say yes to him, he gives you gifts. That's the kind of God we serve, a generous, gracious God. And so you can come forward for prayer. But as we close, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And we close every gathering like this. This is the posture of receiving out of which we give. I want to invite you to take a deep breath in and out. Yes. With your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, Sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, opening the gifts that the Spirit has given you. And may God use you this week at home, in the workplace, at school. May gifts of the Spirit flow from you. May people encounter the power, the love, the mercy, the grace of our Lord Jesus. 
as the Holy Spirit works in you and works through you. So I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the generous name of Jesus. And the people of God said, amen. Grace and peace, everybody.